your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It is the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals Podcast. We cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and just general news around the league. The news this week is going to be a little bit light regarding the rest of the league because not a ton happened. At least that seemed noteworthy. So with that being said, I'm your host, Jordan Linscott, and tonight I'm going to be joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Kevin Musto, and Nick LePage. On tonight's schedule, we've got a couple of talking points that we're going to touch on for a bit, and then a little bit more in-depth discussion. The first major talking point we're going to talk about is uh, Jacob Delarose ends up getting traded from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for Robbie Fabry from the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Adam Boquist getting his first NHL goal. Big deal for him, the organization, and something to look forward to. And then Andreas Athens, you finally starting to put some production on the score sheets. It's been a little bit quiet this season and really one of the big names for Detroit, who was expected to really be a player for them moving forward. And then after that, we're going to have, I think, a pretty in-depth discussion in regards to both teams coaching, in particular, Jeff Blaschel and Jeremy Colleton, just their records, where they've taken their teams and the times they've been with them, and just where we want to assess where the coaches are at developmentally with the teams is where's what the record shows so with that being said let's go ahead and just jump right into this one because it's going to be it's going to be a doozy so just as we mentioned right at the top of the episode uh jacob delarose ends up getting traded from the detroit red rings for robbie fabry from the st louis blues organization um basically the red wings gave up a fourth line player realistically for Robbie Fabry, who had an injury, which gave him a year off his development time. So it's kind of a question mark initially in terms of what we're going to get. We, you have an idea, but you're not quite sure yet because there was that year gap. Um, David, you're my co-wings man here. So just raw thoughts on the trade. I liked it. Um, like you said, Della Rose, um, I never really noticed him. He's more of a fourth liner, if that. And you can get those not too difficultly. I mean, we could just go down to Grand Rapids and get a couple. But um, Fabri, I mean, looking at his stats, he's had a couple good seasons before his injury. Um, and like Perlini, we know he's capable. Um, and we saw how capable he is. He just scored a couple minutes ago uh, to put the Red Wings on top of the Bruins. So I think the trade's a good trade, and I'm looking forward to seeing him grow. And we have him on a line with Anthony Sioux, so we've got two of the best eyebrows in hockey <laughs> right there. David, you always have an interesting uh, tidbit. for. <laughs> I'm a weird stats man, man. <laughs> Leads the, the league in eyebrow hairs. <laughs> Anthony Sioux, yeah. I might have to share his eyebrow comb with him all the time. Oh my goodness! Unfortunately, we've got no Anthony Davis in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, they'd all be like those three would be line mates. Yes, that would be yeah. dangerous. That would be a dangerous line. Oh that would goodness. be a line at the All Star game. 
You put just like a gigantic eyebrow logo in the middle of their jerseys. It's just a one big unibrow. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's like a, one of those NHL video game custom jerseys. You just throw yeah. it. Yeah, it, that's what it is. So, <laughs> But uh, you said you, you like this deal. I like this deal quite a bit as well, David. I think that, yes, Fabry got robbed of a year of his development because of an injury, but it kind of reminds me of Svechnikov in the sense where, yes, that year's gone, but that creates uncertainty, which could be realistically an unknown for the trade and could it actually turn into something big? I mean, Steve Eiserman, since he's been the GM of the Red Wings, has pretty much made a lot of low-risk trades when it comes to actually trying to acquire real NHL-level talent guys. Um, Kevin or Nick, you guys are kind of removed from this. What's your guys' take on this trade? Well, I'm in the same boat as both of you guys where I just don't really see why St. Louis made this trade. I mean, I understand that there's the the injury concerns with Fabry, but David touched on it. This is a player who came into his draft with a lot of talent and even coming into the NHL, like he had a really solid NHL debut that season. He was on pace for over 40 points. um, And then his follow-up season also wasn't too bad. Then he had the injury and that derailed some things, but if the Red Wings feel they can kind of get him back on track, this is a steal of a deal, I think. Because De La Rose, um, you mentioned it, Jordan, is a fourth liner. He's not, he's a very easily rep- rep- replaceable player. So Fabry's a guy that he's still only 23. There's some upside there. Yeah, and I'm going to join you guys as well. I think it's a uh, general consensus with us four. This is a great deal for the Red Wings. I think Eisenman might have found a diamond in the rough. It was essentially a waiver as a waiver trade just because De La Rosa was going to go on waivers. Fabry was going to go on waivers. And I think both teams were just looking to get something in return for those players. Yeah. And Fa- Fabry, had, there was t- a point where Fabry was going to be in a prominent role with the St. Louis Blues. And like we've said, injuries just kind of delayed that, derailed it. And he was one of those guys that looked apart as part of their future. And now uh, Detroit yeah. Red Wings, they, they got a good deal out of him and. You know, it, it they could I think what they're doing lately with the Perlini and Fabry deal is they're just looking to acquire players that could play in the NHL and no longer have these AHL guys that don't deserve to be on a roster. And in a few years these are gonna be prominent role players for the Detroit Red Wings. Um we can move on to uh, the next piece of news on our schedule. Uh, Adam Boquist ends up getting his first goal at the NHL level. Not a bad one either. I believe it was a power play. Goal, That's a correct? beauty. Oh yeah. That was a beauty. The goal was it was a power play for uh, Chicago, if I remember correctly. Basically, he uh, there was it was a rebound, then a pass, and then he got passed to him, and that's how he got the goal. Correct? Yeah, he was like right there in the slot, pretty much, and just uh, a real nice top corner snipe. I think it was bar down. It was bar down. Yes. Yeah, it was really nice. I mean, Bokvist is he's just got an incredible shot. Like he can really just rip that thing. Yeah, it was absolutely. Uh, oh, sorry, Jordan, go ahead. I was just going to ask while we're on the topic of Volquist, I mean, what have your guys' impressions been of him so far at the NHL since he's gotten called up? You could see the offensive upside immediately. I I think he's actually, the other night he made a play that kind of it showed his growth in defense, his uh, effort. It was against the Canucks, and they were at, the Canucks were entering the neutral zone. Instead of Boquist just playing back and letting him cross their blue line, he attacked him in the neutral zone, stole the puck, and 
it, and then it forced an offsides. And that's what I liked about Boquis. He's not afraid to play his defensive game, and he's shown his offensive upside. One thing I I actually agree with you, I really like the upside that he shows offensively. Um, one thing I did notice from his game is that it seems like he still holds onto the, the puck just a touch too long. But I think part of that's like growing and just adjusting to how fast the NHL game is. But like you said, I think the offensive production is absolutely there. Yeah, and he, it looks like he's fitting in too. You know, we had these worries that, he, like you see, he, he is kind of holding on to the puck a little long, but that's just his mentality. I and mean, he's young; it, it's going to correct itself over time. He'll learn from his mistakes. So I, I would rather see him take chances with the puck than do nothing and just, you know, just kind of be afraid to play. But he's showing he's like he's ready to attack rather than letting the game slowly come. And that's what I want. That's how you develop these young guys. How they turn into studs is. Put them in opportunities. Let them learn from their uh, mistakes. For me, at least so far, I think Boakfist has actually exceeded my expectations. Because for me, Adam Boakfist was uh, he was a good player in London. I didn't think he was a great player in London, but a good player. And then seeing him in preseason again, thought he was good, but not good enough to make the jump to the NHL. And and in Rockford, you know that whole team had production issues, but. You know, of course, he was a part of that, so he wasn't really producing too much in the AHL. But, you know, after the call-up to the NHL, you know, I didn't think he was ready for it, but he's proven that he really wants to stay, and I think his play has been pretty solid. And what I love is what they did is they, you, you, he gets called up, they throw him right on the power play one unit. You put him yep. in the best opportunities, and he's playing with a bunch of young studs with Nylander, uh, Kubelik, and well, Kubelik at the time, and uh, who else is it was in, in Doc. They were all on the line with Taves for the power play. So yeah. I like that they're throwing him these opportunities right away. And, yeah, you let him let him get a chance to shine, and they're doing it. Yeah, if I mean, I think if he continues at this rate, he'll stay up past that uh, nine-game trial. And there, there's only really one there, – there's only been one real bad thing that happened. It was kind of an unfortunate situation against the Ducks. Yeah, the shorthanded. Uh, yeah, he pinched along the boards, and it took a weird hop. It led to a shorthanded goal by Vander Kane. But it, it's and just, that was his first game, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, no uh, it was his third, third game. Third game. Oh, third game. Okay. Yeah, it was, and yeah, just bad puck luck. Took a weird hop, and yeah, it led to a shorthanded goal. But you know, it's something he learns from next time. He, he, it's a mental note. Yeah, that was literally the only bad thing I can think of that he's done so far. And you the can't rest has been positive. Can't blame him on it. Just bad puck luck, and yeah, and move on. Uh, we'll move on to our next uh, topic for discussion. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu finally, finally starting to heat up for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, last season, coming off of a 30-goal season, and he was expected to take really big strides. Started the season pretty quiet. Um, I believe he's had, what was it, three assists and a goal in the past week. So starting to show up on the scoreboard a little bit more. Also, I mean, he's playing with guys like Philpola, who, no knock on Valtteri Philpola, he's a decent player, but he's not somebody who you look at and say bona fide center who is going to be constantly generating offense. Um, as as a Greek, or as we uh, call him on the Red Wings subreddit, the, uh, the Greek lightning has officially struck. Oh, Greek lightning. Nice. Greek lightning. Greece lightning from Greece. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> they need to. I, I can't remember. Do they actually play that at the LCA? Uh, the I don't Greece know. lightning. We wouldn't know really because he hasn't scored lately. Besides that one goal. <laughs> oh, that, 
That's fair. That's fair. Um, Boys, do you, do you think, think he's... Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, Dave, do you think this continues or do you think he cools back down? <laughs> I think it continues. I think he needed to get that one goal to get the weight off his chest a little. Um, I think with Fabry now with him, Fabry just scored so their line can score. Although Fabry was assisted by, I think, Bertuzzi and Manta. So I think Blashell's blending lines again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he just was in a rut and he needed to get something out of it. And I think he did. So hopefully we see him go back to his normal ways. I think we will. It's, it's kind of one of those things. You got the monkey off your back. And you know how, in, I mean, I know it's a baseball term, but you sometimes just bunt for a base hit just to get that out of a slump. And yeah, the, I think all he needs to do is see the puck cross, cross the goal line once and the pressure's off. And now you could start playing without worrying about anything. Yeah. Still Sick. a lot, sh- a lot shorter than Riley Shea and a uh, few few years ago. Oh my gosh! What, what he went the entire year without scoring? He went eighty one. I think in the in the eighty second game he scored two goals. Yeah, he scored two goals. He was the last person to score at the Joe. <laughs> uh, um, well, before we move on from that, I mean, do you think he's? This is a contract year for him, isn't it? Like, do you think he's feeling the pressure of a big time contract next year? He is, and I also think I've seen rumors of like Iserman looking to trade a top star, and it's him. So I'm like, I, those are stupid rumors from stupid tabloid sites, but it's I just mean, he needs to step it up. Realistically, though, with the, I mean, with the situation you guys are in, he's probably got your most valuable trade assets. He's probably he is. So, David, I, I know it's blasphemy, but I'm going to say it anyway. I would be fine if they traded Athens to see you if. And this is the asterisk. If it was for a high-end defensive piece, that is the only way I would be fine with them moving him. But I think if there's one of the bona fide, like top line forwards on our team who the Red Wings could realistically lose and have it not be a a pretty detrimental loss to the team, I think Athens is the one that they could move. I, yeah, I could feel it. I feel like he's worth more than just a defensive piece, unless it's like. Uh, top line or defenseman, but no one's going to trade away their top line defenseman. We kind of saw that this offseason, though. I mean, Jacob Truba got dealt, and he's, you know, a, realistically, he gets like a top pairing type guy. It's true, but who else? He kind of forced Winnipeg's hand, though. Yeah. And who else kind of fair? Who is, else could we is honestly he, see? Is Anthony C a RFA selector this year? Yes. I think so. I want to say he's the RFA for one more year. Don't yeah. quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure that's how it is. I mean, and that's still that. I mean, even though he's entering restricted free agency, that's still a big bargaining chip because teams will own his rights, and rather than they're gonna for sure lose him. So, yeah, he's he's got a lot of value, and I mean, you can get a pretty good D man for out of him. I'm confirming that he is an RFA. All right. So, uh, yeah, but I, I think if if there's one top line piece in Detroit that could be traded. I think Athens U could be the piece. Yeah. Because, I mean, yes, yes we like, we, David, you and I both know, like, a 30-goal scorer is not common in the NHL, but he's only done the 30 goals once. And, I mean, sure, you could say he was put on lines with bad teammates. Yeah, that's, I think that's actually pretty fair. But, I don't know. I we think Mantha is still just have, more valuable. We I him, him that. We still have Svechnikov, we still have Zadina, we still have others so i feel like yeah his value is pretty good and it opens up a spot for one of those other guys 
as long as we get something in return, I would say a top defenseman and a draft pick. Say, I would want, I, th- I think I'd either want a top defenseman or I would want two firsts. And I know people say that's greedy for a guy like Athens to you, but how often do you have guys who become 30 goal scorers and who have that sort of speed that can just bust games open if they put it together? I mean, it's pretty rare. Yeah. And then, I mean, especially at the trade deadline, though, pe- teams are going to overpay. to If they're a playoff team, they're going to overpay to get an asset. So it, it's not out of – it's a lot, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, we would know because of Ryan Hartman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got, we got, got a first-round pick. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, it, and then not too long later, he's on waivers. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean – if a guy like Ryan Hartman, who's scored 20 goals in his career once, or not, was it 19? Yeah, 19. So if he could, if he could secure a first round pick, a 30 goal score could secure quite a bit. True. Uh, if anybody has nothing else to add, we'll move on to I think which is what's arguably going to be our uh, our big talking point of the night: uh, the coaching for the Chicago Blackhawks and the Detroit Red Wings. I think is going to be the big discussion for the night. Um, neither team off to a great start. In particular, the Red Wings just dumpster fire, I think is the only word to describe this season so far. Um, I know I'm going to rant for a long time when it comes to the Red Wings front office in terms of the coaching and the decisions that are being made. So Kevin and Nick, please walk us through how Collison's been since a coach and what you guys think either is going to happen or needs to happen. Kevin, you could go, you could start this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I mean, it's interesting because I wasn't on last week's show, but I was, I did listen and found out that Nick and I have uh, dif- differing opinions on Jeremy Colleton. Um, Nick, I guess you're, you're in the camp of not liking what colleton has been doing so far. Um, but for me, uh, I've, I've really liked Jeremy Colleton. I think for me, what's most important for the Blackhawks right now is developing the future of this team. All the young guys like Adam Bokvist, Kirby Doc, Dylan Strom, uh, Nylander, Debrinkit. That's what's important to me is developing that future core. And I think Jeremy Colleton is a coach that's been very beneficial for the younger players on this team. And we've seen the younger players have been doing very well. The issue right now seems to be with the veterans and the older players on the roster where we're seeing, you know, Taves, for example, has been having an awful year. And I think maybe the older players on the team are not buying into Colleton's system. But for me... I'm not too concerned about the older players. I mean, yeah, we want them to produce, but I'm more concerned about the future. And I think Colleton is more beneficial to developing the young players who have, I think, thrived in his system. Yeah, that's where I could agree with you on the on Colleton right now. Is yeah, I mean, he's we knew he came here to uh, essentially work with the young guys and develop into the NHL stars that we, we want them to be. But with that being said, it, the the veterans are no longer. I mean, they're not producing the way we are. I mean, Kane, yes, Kane's still going. He's producing at a point over a point a game right now, very quietly. This is a quiet year for Kane. He's still over a point a game, so that's great. But what I'm not liking about Colleton is one, his biggest strength was 
like one of the top reasons why they hired him is they said his biggest strength was communication and we haven't really seen that like the, he's mostly just throwing shots at, in the media at his players and that's not what he's came, and then the Brent Seabrook situation I don't want to go into too deep but again he didn't really have a conversation with Seabrook he told him he just scratched but that was it that was the end of it and then just the scheme the scheme doesn't make sense like Blackhawks when when they got Colleton last year, they there wasn't really, the scheme really wasn't set in place. So they were just attacking, attacking, attacking. They weren't they kind of were just playing the way they played. They were entering the zone with the puck, and now it seems like they've transitioned to this dump and chase game that's not successful. Yeah. And a few stats here, just just for just for the hell of it. And even strength dumping rate with pressure is they're dumping it in thirty percent of the time and recovering it. Oh no, they're dumping in thirty percent of the time, and they're only recovering at thirty-three percent of the time. And when they enter the zone with control entry, their their success rate is fifty-seven percent of the time. So you shouldn't be dumping the puck in with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves on the ice. That's not the game they play. They control the puck. They create plays with the puck on their stick. And this dump and chase game, and it, with it being fa- with failing, it's just not going to work out. Like that, those were stats against the Sharks, and we seen how the Sharks game went. It was terrible. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I certainly don't disagree with any of that. The dump and chase game is pretty abysmal to watch. Um, and it obviously hasn't been working. There's been, I mean, the power play is, is not quite working at all. Um, so I understand where you're coming from. But I also do think there's positives here with Carlton. I think it's tough because... We're coming off that Vancouver game where the Blackhawks actually looked really good. Yeah, and I, I said that before. Like, if they didn't look so good against Vancouver, like if we would have recorded yesterday when we re- typically record on Thursdays, I would have been a lot more angry than I. Uh, I would have been as angry as I was last week. But they yeah. did look. They it looked like Carlton finally went to the drawing board, worked out a solution, and the Hawks actually worked really good against a good Vancouver Canucks team. So. That I can't be too angry about because it looked like he actually made some adjustments and let the Hawks play their way. Yeah, so I'm just I'm kind of in the spot right now where I'm just if the Vancouver game is an anomaly, then you know I'm I'm on your side, Nick. But if that Vancouver game is a turning point and this is what we're going to be seeing, there's going to be more to come. Then I think the Hawks and Colleton can start steering things in the right direction. And I don't get me wrong. I want him to succeed. I'm not. I know. I I texted the group chat. Like I, I was just so frustrated with how the last week went. I texted him saying, "At this point, I'm kind of hoping the Hawks lose because th- it seemed like Colleton was already on the hot seat." And I was saying that just because his scheme wasn't working. But but I want him to succeed. I want the Blackhawks to succeed. I can never really truly hope the Hawks lose, but I hope it's we start seeing more games like the Vancouver game where they're entering the zone with the puck rather than just dumping and actually taking shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not shooting. They're they're dumping into the puck and then they're making a change, so it just leads to a, a rush the other way. So it's uh you know it's a sign of promise, and let's hope this continues going forward. And let Jeremy Carlton just let the Hawks play their game. So let me ask you guys a question then, because this is uh, realistically Jeremy Carlton's first full year with the team, like. In his case, how much slack do you really like? Do you, do you guys think is reasonable to cut him due to the fact that it's his first year with the team? He's trying out new systems with new players that he hasn't coached before. It's an entirely new sy- potential system 
for these players who aren't used to it? How much stock do you guys put into that when evaluating whether you like him as a coach or not? I mean, there, I, I, there is a little room to give him slack. Yes, I, I, he actually, I think the other night against Vancouver was his 82nd career game behind the Blackhawks bench. So, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes first-year coaches don't work out. But he had a, he, he seen the Hawks from the majority of last year, and he had a full offseason to prepare for this year. And, you know, it, it started off very disappointing with a team with a lot of hope. And it's not so much that. It's just the way I see leaders in the locker room, how Kane, the other night after the San Jose loss, Kane just looked pissed off. Taves looked pissed off. And it, it's just how the players are acting toward or with what Colleton's saying. It's just kind of what seems like it, it, it seemed like he was a big issue at the time. Yeah, we'll see. Cause I mean, yeah, there was that situation with Kane where like he was visibly frustrated for at least a week where he was just really in a slump. But then we had that Vancouver game and, you know, Kane scores, he puts up, was it like three points or four yep. points? Something? Three, three, yeah. three point night. Yeah. So really great. And Kane was all smiles again. He was having a good time in like the, the post game scrum. Him and Andrew Shaw, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he had um, an interview. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it was on the uh, Hawk subreddit there. Um, he had an interview with uh, Scott Powers where he said that Colton is a great coach um, and that, you know, he thinks they have a much better team this year and, um, you know, they think that they can really get things going here. And he, he does believe in Colton. So, Again, we'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm just really hoping that the, that Vancouver game is a turning point for them. And uh, I, I want to give Colleton more time to, to work with this team. I mean, at the end of the year, though, it, I think I, – I, I think I, – I don't want to get too much off topic. This is a boomer bust year for Stan. If the Hawks need to make the playoffs or else I think he might be gone just based off the moves he made this offseason. So if Stan were to go, I think that means Colleton's out too. But, yeah, I mean – this is really Colton's chance. He has to get these Hawks to the playoffs, or if Stan goes, I think Colton might be on the way out too. I think Colton has to get the Hawks to the playoffs, and I think if he doesn't, then Colton is gone. But I don't think Stan is in the hot seat because I don't like he's only done good things. Let's say, I mean, when you guys say so you know you think that Colton will be gone if this year after he doesn't make the playoffs. I mean, this is. If, assuming you guys don't, this will be what, is it just two years for you guys removed from the playoff bracket? This would be three straight years missing. This would be three. three? Yeah. Okay. Three. I, I thought this was only year two for some reason. I well, mean, we, we had we had the uh, the Boat Fist draft and then the Kirby Doctor draft. Yeah. And then that would be five years straight of not making it out of the first round of the playoffs. So, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on this Hawks team right now. So, it's we got an interesting ride going forward yeah I just what you're it, saying is you're slowly becoming the detroit red wings <laughs> all right let's not go that far <laughs> uh, um do you guys have anything else you want to talk about specifically with this before we do a i guess a a grading for colleton as a coach so far i'm just gonna say that in terms of the gming like i don't think anyone else could be doing a better job right now like Stan Bowman, I think has made so many trades to really improve the the makeup of this roster, and I don't think you can replace him with someone better. I mean, the only name I was beaten for last year when I was 
on a rage just because he fired Q was. I think uh, I think one day Chris Chelios might take over the realm of the Chicago Blackhawks. It might not be soon, but I think uh, we could see Chelly in a GM spot one day. He'd actually make a really good defensive coach for you guys. I'd like to see him put in that role. I'd love to see him there over Brookbank. That would be cool. But uh, the two names, the two names have been floating around, like as replacements for if if Stan were to go, would be Chelios or. Olchek, there's been people talking about either Olchek taking over to GM or taking over as a head coach one day, but I don't know. Oh, please no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and just grade, I guess. Uh, so you had to give Collison a grade for his, how he's ran the team as a coach so far. What are you guys going to give him? Like a letter grade? Like a letter grade. Um, I think I would say like a B minus. And obviously, the way I've been talking about it the last few weeks, I'm going to go with a D, just a flat D. Wow. <laughs> a flat D. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I got to stick by my word. I've been ra- ranting about him over the last two weeks now. I'm minus the Vancouver game. I'm still just going to go with a D, just because he is developing the young guys, which I don't mind. But losing the ro- locker room, and not, well, not losing the locker room, but it seemed like he was in the process of losing the locker room. So uh, you got to keep those veterans involved and just have them continue their love for this game and the love for this team. So, yeah, that's a D is that's all I'm going to go with. Excellent D for Detroit. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll go ahead and uh, transfer from Jimmy Carlton, and we'll move on to the uh, Detroit Red Wings because I think this one's going to be a little bit longer because yeah, this one, we're even this more is a much worse fire. fire. <laughs> we're like um, that dumpster fire outside of like. Uh, a golden corral where they dump all the grease in the dumpster and then it just catches fire and they can't put it out because that golden corral grease, you know? It, uh, <laughs> um, I feel like with this one... All right, David, do you want me to just start ranting about Flash right now or do you want to give me a take first? <laughs> so I gave the bigger rant about him last week and you were just like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that part. So I'm gonna let you go this week, and then I'll I'll jump in after you're done. First things first, the Detroit Red Wings have lost 12 of their last 13 games. 12 of the last 13. The majority of them have been three goal games, not just like a one goal game, like a lot of their games were a year or two ago. These are three goal games. Now you look at this team, right? The team didn't get worse this off season. They picked up Valtteri Filippola, who is a perfectly competent second or third line center. You just got rid of Nicholas Cronel, who, yes, makes smart defensive plays, but he's also slower, which means you got a faster defenseman in his place. Your rookies in Dennis Cholowski and Philip Peronic just gained experience from playing last year. On top of that, their goals for percentage is higher than last year because their forward depth got better. Their 5v5 production has gotten worse. The goaltending didn't change from last year. The defense looks completely worse. Literally, this team on paper should be better than last year. They made no moves that made them worse. They only made moves that have made them better. You look at the NHL and how it's trending. It's trending towards a faster, younger team, right? Well, you look at the Red Wings, what they do. They got rid of somebody who was old and slow last season. They got rid of Erickson. They sent him and waved him down. I mean, this team is getting younger, it's getting faster, and yet for some reason this team is doing worse than arguably it's been since Weizerman got drafted. 12 of the last 13 games have been losses, and these aren't 
close losses. These are three goal losses. You can't look at this team and tell me that this team is this bad. Blashill has had three years now, at least with this team, with the players in it. He was in Grand Rapids, and yes, you can say he didn't have experience with some of these kids who he's got on that rush right now. Fair enough. Perfectly acceptable excuse. But when you're looking at players like Larkin, who are literally 70-point players, players like Mantha, who are just absolutely running production on their line. You have guys like Athanasiu who can break games open with their speed. You look at this team and just nothing seems to be going right for this team. People like to say, you know, okay, maybe it's the players not performing. It's not the players at this point anymore. This is coaching, plain and simple. You look at the power play that they had, what was it? I think it was three games ago, like... It was just cycle, 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 cycle. There is something wrong with this coach, and it's, I don't even know how to put it into words. You just watch this team. They look lethargic once they get to the third period. They're not playing a full 60 anymore. And at some point, you have to look at this team and say, what is the common factor for this team continually projecting down when in reality, this team is not a bad roster. I think, David, you and me were pretty realistic this offseason when we said this team wasn't going to be a playoff team. We pretty much agreed on that, but this team is yeah. not dumpster fire Edmonton Oilers where they won, what was it, 12 games out of the season a couple of years ago. This team's not <sighs> this terrible. Like, the defense is not great. We acknowledge that. The forward pool is decent, nothing special. Goaltending is mediocre. You put those together, you do not get a record that is this bad. The power play has been pretty terrible. The penalty kill has not been great. And the only common factor that I can see on this team is Jeff Blaschel. It's not the players at this point. And what bothers me more is that the media keeps throwing the players on this team questions like, well, do you think it's a coaching change? And people are like, well, the players are saying it's not a coaching problem. No shit. Obviously, what player is going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we definitely need to fire our coach? Nobody. Nobody is being honest with what's wrong with this team anymore. Nobody is acknowledging what the problems are. And it seems like it's just the elephant in the room that nobody will address. Rant over. That's I mean, a good rant. You're, you're touching on stuff that I brought up last week. Um, and it's kind of sad that like the media is trying to get the players to turn on the coach. Players are never going to turn on a coach. They're always going to defend their coach. They don't want to look like entitled, you know, jerkwads. Yes, NFL players might like, they might say like, yeah, the coach doesn't like getting me the ball, blah, 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 blah. But like hockey players are not those kinds of people. They're going to defend him till he's gone and they're not going to speak ill of him even when he's gone. Um, but we'll say it for them. He, like I said last week, coach the hell out of the Grand Rapids Griffins and that's the kind of coach he is he's an AHL coach I don't think he can hack it in the NHL much less for the historic um, organization like the Detroit Red Wings um, I, I'm, I'm sad to say like we're winning right now against Boston who's a top caliber team um, but by beating them it's going to give him more life and he'll probably be sticking around Um I think the real reason why we're winning tonight is the the eyebrows of Fabry, but that's a different story. Um, but I really think that if things keep going the way they are, um, he needs to be gone before you know the midway point of the season. Um, make Dan Balsma the interim head coach for the rest of the season, and then you know 
find someone that's actually a proven winner in the NHL. Go after a guy like Tortorella. Go after, uh, make a big offer at Quenville, even though he's contracted to the Panthers. Try to figure out a way to get him. Like, get someone that actually can win. Say, like, I think the biggest problem for me with what's going on with Blashell right now is. I mean, you watch the post-game interviews with him, right? And they keep saying the same thing over and over. We got to play a full 60 minutes. We got to generate more chances. And we just need to commit to a full game and stick to a process. Obviously, this process isn't working. They're not playing a full 60. And they're not generating chances. At some point, you have to look at why. Yeah. Um, it's just his strategy. You know, he last year, his motto was like 60 minutes of hell. And there was games like, yeah, we, we lost a lot of games by one goal, but we were competitive, even though we, you know, finished um, with the fourth worst record. But we were competitive. Right now we're getting blown out games like 5-1, to 5-2, to two, things like that. And it just doesn't look great. Say, so, I mean, like the Wings, like, yes, they're winning the game right now that they're playing versus Boston 3-1. But like one game over the course of several isn't what's telling of this team. Like, I mean, we're going to touch on it when we do the flashback and the flash forward for the teams this week, but I'm just going to run through the last couple of games real quick. 1-5 loss, 1-6 loss, 0-4 loss, 3-7 loss. Like, you can't tell me that you look at those games and say, yeah, we grew as a team from those losses, there was improvement being made, and the process that we ran those games... And the systems was an acceptable system were acceptable systems to run. Like I'm so I'm sick of hearing the same phrases from Blashill about this team because it's clear that these phrases that he's coming up with, like trust the process, or you just gotta generate chances or play a full sixty, it's clearly not getting through to the players at this point. And there's something that is not being said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when the Wings had this bad of a start to a season. Like, I honestly think it might have been around when Steve Eisenman got drafted. It's got to be the Dead Wings era. What is this team? Like, last I remember, they were, what is it? They're like eight, they're eighth in the Atlantic, right? Um, I think so. Let me see. Um, yeah, they're eighth in the Atlantic right now. They're eighth in the Atlantic. They're four and twelve. They had one overtime game which they lost. Like this team is literally playing at at a thirty three percent win ratio. Like that is in today's NHL, that is terrible. Like you're literally winning four out of sixteen. You're winning a fourth of your game. Like a fourth of your games. It's like you said. Like the last te- time that this team was this bad was the Dead Wings era. And even then, like, part of that wasn't because of the player, or wasn't because of the coaching. That was a player issue during that era. Like, the team just didn't have any high-end players, but this team does. We have young talent, like guys that will develop into amazing players, but they're not going to develop much farther with this guy still as our coach. The one plus side right now is that we are currently the worst team in the league at four twelve and one, so that puts our chances at getting the number one pickup. Like Kevin, Nick, you guys are kind of watching from the outside here. Like you guys haven't really had to sit through this for a while, but like 
if you guys have gotten to check any of like the Red Wings like video at all, like maybe I'm just not seeing it. Like, is there something going on on the ice that seems like it's just like a big gaping hole? Because I look at this team and I don't see what like this big hole is generating this bad of a loss is at least on the on ice product. Well, I mean, I, oh, go ahead, Nick. I, I'm just gonna keep it quick. They just kind of look lifeless. Like, there's really they don't look motivated or anything. And what 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 was it? Jimmy Howard got pulled in two straight games, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, I you can't all, only fault a goaltender for that, but I mean, if you got to pull your goalie in two straight games, it's not just his fault. It's that whole. And yeah, I mean, it, it what they how the season started. No team should ever start this bad. Like the Red Wings aren't that bad of a roster, and no. yeah, it just I think it's just lifelessness, and you know, I, I know that teams in the NHL don't necessarily tank because lottery, but you know, who knows what the mentality of the Red Wings. We started off with two wins, and we were like, oh, man, this could actually be a better season, and then it just went all downhill. I think the thing that worries me most about what's going on with the Red Wings roster is you look at guys like Larkin and Mantha in their post-game interviews, you can tell that this is doing absolutely nothing for the morale of this team losing consistently like this. It's not doing anything for making camaraderie with a team better. Like, I hate to say this, but I don't want to see this team turn into a losing locker room where the mentality is just, it's all right to lose. And I would rather see Blashill be gone before that happens. I mean, I don't usually advocate for people being let go, but at this point, like we've had three years with Jeff Blashill. As soon as he lost Datsuk, the team was out of the playoffs. Once they lost Sutterberg, the team has been bottom of the league. And I don't know. I look at this team. They didn't get worse this offseason. They got better. No, and somehow this record better. is terrible. Um, I follow, like, soccer, like the British Premier League. And the motto of the team that I follow, I feel like, fits the Red Wings, which is uh, Nilsati Nisi Optimum, which is only the best is good enough. And we're hockey town. Only the best is good enough, and Blashill is not good enough. I, I, I don't know. I, I just something has got to give with this team, whether it's coaching or it's just an overhaul of the symptom of the systems. Something has got to change with this team. Well, the system comes from the coach. The way you play, your play style, how you're lines work, you know, your dump and chase or whatever strategies you use come from the coaching and it's not working. Yeah. I don't have too much more to add. My, my concern that I'm seeing is what you were saying, Jordan, is it seems to be more of a morale issue where you're seeing these guys, they're, they're, they're demoralized and they don't necessarily have the confidence that they need. And, and, you know, a sport like this, you really need a, a, a cohesive unit where these guys are working together and they're willing to step up to do whatever, you know, whatever it takes to win a game. And when they don't have a coach who can inspire that confidence in them, you have a unit that's just going to fall apart. This offseason, would everybody on this podcast pretty much agree that the wings got better as opposed to getting worse? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they've lost any key pieces. I mean, I think it would have been good if uh, 
They had kept Nick Jensen around, but otherwise they didn't lose any key parts. I mean, Cronwall was slowing down and not playing well. Erickson has never played well, so it's not like we, yeah, like we've been saying, we haven't downgraded. We've we've upgraded or standard pat. And the trade we just made for Fabry has already started to look like a good trade with his two goals tonight. So I trust Iserman. I don't trust Blashill, and I think Iserman might be starting to lose that trust too. Hopefully, say I. Like I just said, you know, I don't like to see or advocate for people being let go, but I think it's obvious at this point in the season, Blaschel has either lost the locker room or it's clear that his systems aren't going to work for this team. Um, does have, anybody have anything else before we move on and do the rest of the episode? No, nope, no, nope, let's go. Okay. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about the, uh, the Wings past couple of games, so I guess we'll go ahead and touch on them and our flashback this week. So basically flashback is a look at the Red Wings and the Blackhawks past games this last week. We break them down basically what happened, what went, uh, what went wrong, what went right, and then just sort of dissecting them. So let's go ahead and just look at the Red Wings' past couple games. Uh, on Friday, they played against the Carolina Hurricanes, losing 3-7. to uh, Athanasiu getting two assists and Mantha getting two goals. And then Bertuzzi getting the other goal. I think we all agreed Carolina was going to win this one, if I remember oh, correctly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just, they're built from the back forward, which is a great way to build your team in today's NHL. The other game on their schedule, uh, they played against the Florida Panthers, dropping 0-4. Uh, coincidentally enough, uh, coached by ex-Blackhawks head coach, Quenville. Future Red Wings head coach. <laughs> Stop. I, 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 I would love that so much. Uh, this one just... This one was ugly. I mean, the Red Wings put, what was it, like 20 shots on goal versus the Panthers generating 40. I mean, they got outshot 2-1. to one. You're not winning that game without an no. amazing performance from your goaltender. Unless you got Hashik or Osgood in goal. No. The other, another game, uh, they played against Nashville, losing 6-1. to one. This one particularly ugly. I think they gave up, what was it, like three goals in eight minutes or something like that. Yeah, we scored the first goal. Antonisio scored the first, and I was like, "All right, he's back." And then we're back to sucking. What was it? it this one was kind of weird though, because like the Predators, like they didn't generate just like a ton of shots on goal. Like what was it? They generated about thirty. I think it was like thirty-two or something, which isn't a bad total. No, yeah, about thirty-two, which isn't a bad total. And the Wings generated like twenty-five. So shot-wise, it looks even, but Obviously, the Predators, a much better team. They, like we just mentioned with Carolina, built from the back out. And, I mean, you can't really get scored on when you're not in your own zone is a pretty decent way to put it. And then the last game that they've played this week, not counting the game that's actually going right now, they lost to the New York Rangers 5-1. to uh, Valtteri Filippola getting the lone goal. Uh, again, Howard facing 34 shots. And then the uh, one goes getting essentially, I believe it was 37. So the Red Wings generating more shots, but again, just not able to find the back of the net. And I mean, yes, Lundqvist is a great goaltender. We all know that, but just, I don't understand. This was just a complete trash week. Can we please just call it what it is? Oh yeah. Garbage truck on fire. Sounds similar to our week. (laughs) Uh, 
I, I, I assume you guys are fair calling it a trash week, Nick and Kevin. Yeah, uh, <laughs> trash would be putting it nicely for you guys. Yeah, well, trash <laughs> week, but with some light at the end of the tunnel, I think. Hopefully. Oh, we took. Yeah. So the wings basically had a trash week. There wasn't really much to talk to talk on. I kind of feel like I, I touched on a lot of it in the rant, which I was mentioning. We'll go ahead and talk about the Hawks week because you guys had a little bit of a better week than we did. Yeah, it was a slight. It was a. It was an improvement over the wings and probably the week before as well. So, uh, the first game, you guys played Saturday against the Kings. You guys lost 3-4, but you lost in overtime, which isn't bad. And the goal in overtime was a really weird one, I thought. Like, it wasn't, like, an insane lapse by anybody. I just thought it was, like, a really weird pass-gone-wrong type situation. (laughs) David Camp got uh, one of your guys' goals. Uh, Jonathan Taves getting one as well, so the captain putting on. And then uh, Dominic... Uh, Dominic Kubelik putting up the other goal for you guys. But, I mean, you guys losing 3-4 in overtime isn't bad. I mean, it was against the Kings, though, so I think you guys probably should have won that one. <laughs> That's but, how I feel pretty much is that, you know, if you're playing a team like the Kings, you should come away with the two points after that game. Yeah, I think uh, we did our flash forward last week. I said the Hawks should do with the Kings what they did in their previous matchup the Sunday before. And, oh, uh, yeah, it it was a terrible game. I mean, I know we took away, got away with a point, but like Kevin said, we should be blowing out the Kings because they're just a terrible organization, right? Uh, the next game that you guys played, uh, the Hawks played against the Ducks. Uh, they ended up winning three two in overtime again, or in overtime. So redeeming themselves from the uh, the Kings overtime. Uh, Petch King got a goal and an assist. Boquist getting his first goal, which we talked about that. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit also getting a goal. And just, I thought this was actually a much better effort by you guys, um, at least in terms of your offense. I mean, what was it? Both goaltenders pretty much faced about the same amount of chances against them, which I thought was pretty good. You guys didn't look anywhere near as weak as you guys did against the Predators, for example, who were not anywhere near the same team as the Ducks. Was, I mean, the Predators are obviously better, but the same style of team, like a big bruiser type team. Yeah, I was very happy with the uh, result. You know, I I know we kind of talked down on the Ducks at the beginning of the year, but they're off to a pretty they're off to an okay start. So it was a good competitive game, and yeah, great to see the Hawks play with win that one. I think I said that they should have won that one too. And yeah, it, was, it it took overtime, but you know the Hawks overcame adversity and yeah, took two points out of that one. Yeah, better effort in this game that unfortunately did not carry over in the next game. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the next game, speaking of which, uh, playing, Chicago playing against the San Jose Sharks. This one was a uh, 2-4 loss for the Hawks. Um, what was it? Leonard faced, I believe it was, what, 34, 35 shots? I mean, yeah. he got pelted pretty decent. Uh, uh, Sharks only having, was it Jones put up a save against, I believe it was 23. So, guys got outshot a little bit, but it wasn't by a huge margin. Um this one, I don't even know how to really explain this one because, I mean, statistically, you guys have a better record than them. Like, you guys are 4-7, and seven, the Sharks are 5-10, and ten, so, I mean, technically, you guys are winning more of your games in terms of, like, your ratio, but I don't know. It, it felt like the, uh, is it the home opener where you guys were trading goals, like, they got two in the second, then you guys both got two in the third, so I don't know. Just this, I thought you guys could have won this one. Yeah, here's the thing. You know, it, 
four to two is on the score sheet and uh, eleven shot differential. That does not explain how bad this game was. The, yeah, the score sheet won't show it. The shots on goals won't show it. But at the end of the second period, the Hawks had eight shots, on, eight shots on goal against a bad Ducks team. Against a Ducks team with the third worst save percentage in the or Sharks team. Holy crap, Sharks team that with the third worst save percentage in the league. And they weren't. They were. I. I know. I read the stats before, but they were just dumping in the dumping in the puck, and they weren't retrieving mm-hmm. it. So they couldn't get. They couldn't develop anything in the offensive zone. And yeah, that was. It was the uh, one of the ugliest games of the season. And the two goals the Hawks scored. It was at, almost at the end of the game. So, uh, yeah, horrible. That was just brutal. Um, then the last game that we can talk about uh, on Thursday, the Hawks played against the Vancouver Canucks, losing. Uh, sorry, winning two to five. Uh, this is weird for me because I mean the Canucks have been a pretty decent team this year. I mean, you guys pretty much lit them up. I mean, what was it? You uh, who was it? Patrick Kane had a goal and two assists, so he had a three pointer. Strom had a three point game. Like you guys had production throughout the entire lineup. Like this, I thought was a great game from the Hawks. It kind of goes what me and Kevin were talking about. It, they played a completely different game than the day against the Sharks. They looked like uh, the team that they kind of showed they were last year. And I know kind of it was a bad year last year too, but they were entering the zone with control of the puck rather than dumping it in to a complete 180 against uh, compared to what they did, they did against the Sharks. So, yeah, very promising win. And one of the things that kind of has been not talked about enough is Corey Crawford looked fantastic. Canucks. He, he mm-hmm. that was he looked great. So, uh, great win for the Hawks, and yeah, definitely a good end to the week. Yeah, this was a game that I don't think anyone was expecting the Hawks to win because after that abysmal performance against the Sharks, you're going up against one of the better teams. Canucks have been playing very well. Um, for 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 the Hawks to win five two, I mean, there were like two empty netters there. I think right. Yeah. So, um. A bit overblown the the score sheet there, but it was it was a great performance by them. And this game to me is kind of a beacon of hope. If I mentioned earlier in the show, but if they can keep this style of play up, then they're they're they'll be heading in a really good direction, I think. And one of the one of the quick takeaway from this Hawks game, one of the moments that caught my eye during that game against the Canucks is Patrick Gain had a goal that game. I know we already mentioned it a couple. But when he he released the shot and before the puck even entered this entered uh, went in the net, he knew it was in. Like he turned away, yeah. it kind of started selling right as he got it past the demon that was covering him. And yeah, it's just you know, yeah, that was a classic know, showtime. Yeah, it just playing with a little excitement. And I know we talked about it also, but the, af- the interview after Kane and Shaw were kind of having a little fun with it. The veterans were having some fun, and they were taking questions as if they were one another. So they were answering questions about themselves and when they address Shaw Kane would talk when they address Kane Shaw would talk so they were having a little fun it's great to see the locker room light and that's what they need to do these guys need to play with a little bit of happiness and hopefully good things to come so if you guys could evaluate I guess have like a statement about the week what would you say not often I would say a 2-1-1 week is bad but I mean it wasn't bad but it was an okay week it's just you know the Sharks game I feel like they should have won and the Kings game, they shouldn't they shouldn't lose to the Kings in overtime. So uh, a week they could have gone 4-0. I know we weren't expecting a win against the Canucks, but I would say it's an okay week. 
Yeah, I guess okay. If it if it weren't for the Canucks game, it would have been an ab- an abysmal week. But uh, yeah, the Canucks game gives us a little bit of hope. Nick or Kevin, can you tell me something? Sure. What what, what does it feel like to win? <laughs> uh, we only got what five of them, so yeah, the five felt great. <laughs> one of the te- one of the teachers in my hallway is like a huge Caps fan. He's like, "We won five in a row," and I'm like. How does that feel? Yeah. Ask, ask an Islanders fan. They'll tell you how, exactly how great it feels to win. Yeah, Jordan, they know. Jordan, do you remember a couple years ago when the Wings had that, like, 20-something game win streak? You're talking about the, uh, the, the what is it, the, uh, the home win streak? Yeah, they the home like 21 win streak. straight home win games? God, that was nice. I sometimes go watch a YouTube video of that just to get that high again. The good old days. <laughs> Only had to Lidstrom and everybody. Yeah, glory days. Those are glorious times, but not anymore. No, no, it's just like, how many goals are we going to lose by tonight? Uh, Let's just hope, boys. Let's just hope that uh, we have happier times on this podcast because we've been some very depressed four four guys on this. I'm I'm (laughs) hoping for one day. I'm hoping for one day we can have a podcast where it's like. (laughs) How many games does the Red Wings Blackhawks Cup match go? Because I'm I'm looking I'm hoping we get a Red Wings Blackhawks Stanley Cup matchup one day. If that, if that were to happen one day, we could create some great content out of that. We would say. I mean, that's one of the sucky things about the uh, realignment. Now is we're not going to see each other in the playoffs except for the Cup Finals. Yep, one can only hope. We just got to get there. Does anybody have any uh, comments or anything like that before we move to the flash forward now? Player of the week? POTW. Player of the week? POTW. So we're already talking about the Blackhawks. Uh, Kevin and Nick, who are you guys' players of the week? Go ahead, Kevin. Start this one. Want me to go first? Go right ahead, buddy. Ooh, It's a tough decision because I think – I could go. I think there's a couple candidates I could go with, but uh, I have heavy Dylan Strome bias. And after that great Canucks game for him, I'll go with Dylan Strome. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of him, and uh, that was a great game for him against uh, against the Canucks. He was just really playing at some of his best, and and he's just such a great playmaker. Yeah, I agree. Strom had a great week. Um, you know, one of those guys that he's finding his groove, starting to find his groove. He's reunited with Debrinkit, so a lot more great things to come. And yeah, hopefully he starts to work for that contract. Uh, my player of the week goes to the heart and soul of the Chicago Blackhawks team, number 88, Patrick Kane. He, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, could, he could get nominated for this every week, but sometimes we got to show a little love. But this week, Kaner deserves it. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, he's quietly over a point a game this year. Everybody's talking about how quaint he's kind of having a iffy year for for it being Patrick Kane, but he's over a point a game right now. And and then just the other day, or after the Canucks win, it kind of got the juices flowing. After the game, he was interviewed uh, after he was the first star of the game, and his before they send him off, he said, "We're gonna get this thing turned." He said, "We're gonna get this thing turned around." Yeah, and get and get hot here and start making a run for it, and that just got the juices flowing. That shows this Hawks team is instilling confidence in themselves, and you know I'm, I'm ready to ride this team as long as we got 88, 19, two, and everybody else out there. I believe in this team, so let's get this thing turned around, boys. 
Yeah, and I mean, when Kane says something like that, I, I believe him when he says something like that because he is a player that has the power to, to turn things around. Um, so yeah, Kane, Kane is a great uh, choice for a player of the week. And I'll give a, a shout-out as a runner-up to Alex Nylander. I think he's he's been really great as well. Yeah, ever since that healthy scratch, man. He, yep, he kinda, it lit a fire under him. Yeah, he kind of woke him up. He's like, yeah. He so, was brought here. He's like, yeah, I'm a so Colleton not bad. Uh, well, he he works really well for the young players. Yeah, they, I don't want to. I don't want to go into Colleton <laughs> too much again. Uh, but yeah, he's working well with the young players, and you know, yeah, Nylander's been great ever since that healthy scratch. So let's keep this thing going. And dare I say it, Nylander looking a little Hosa like out there. Oh boy, made him I move mean, a little. It made him move a little. He's he's got some good two way play in him. He does. He actually does, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Uh, it still burns first. me that you guys took Marion Hosa from us. We weren't. It was either him or Franzen, and we chose with the guy we had. Jordan, who you got? Who's your player of the week? Um, my player for the week is somebody who didn't really show up on the score sheet, but somebody who really impressed me with this play. I really liked Philip Heronic this week. He's He's one of the only bright spots on the Wings defensive group, and yes, he's not gonna, you know, be potting you thirty goals a game or thirty goals a season like a lot of your forwards will, who are like the high end forwards. But he does a lot of the little things right. He makes smart decisions, and he's probably the best defenseman on this team who actually has a good defensive game. I mean, yes, people like to say Mike Green's the best defenseman on the Red Wings team. I don't think that's true. I think he's the best offensive defenseman, but I don't think he's the best all-around defender Correct. by any means. But Correct. I really liked what I saw out of Philip Peronic this week. His puck movement was good. His passing was good. His play setup was good. Like Everything about him just seemed to look good this last week, and that's the sort of thing that you need to see moving forward from a defenseman who's going to be a core piece of your team in the coming years. Who would you say your uh, star for the week is, David? I'm going to throw a crazy one at you guys. You ready for this? I'm ready. I'm going with Big Rob Fab. Robbie Fabry, the guy, yeah. the new acquisition, the new acquisition. We just traded for him. He, I feel like he had a point to prove. Uh, he just got traded away from the defending Stanley cup champions, a team that lost one of their top offensive players. So he could have really worked to step into that role for the team, but they traded him. And I feel like coming here, he had a real point to prove and he's scored two goals already tonight. Um, pairing up with his former Gulf Storm teammate, uh, Bertuzzi. They were teammates at the Storm, so I guess they still have that connection because Bertuzzi assisted both of his goals. So um, I hope he keeps it up, and I hope he uh, you know, becomes a really valuable member of the team. And, uh, I'm going to – quick, you know, I got a, like a celebrity – not a celebrity. One of my buddies is here watching this. For Kevin, he agrees with your pick. Dylan Strom is his player of the week, so I'm going to give him a little shout-out. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Um, Did you tell him that you really love the Nashville Editors? Oh, yeah, he knows. He's a loyal <laughs> listener. Loyal listener. Uh, <laughs> um, we can move on to the flash forward if everyone's all right moving on. Yep. Uh, since we were actually just talking about the Blackhawks, let's go ahead and just stay on them for the flash forward for this coming week. So... On Saturday, the Blackhawks are going to be playing against the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
on Sunday, they're going to be playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then on Wednesday, they'll be playing against the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's a three-game uh, schedule for them this week. Let's go ahead and just walk through the games. Uh, first up, the Hawks versus the Penguins. This one, I think, is going to be a fun one for sure. Um, yeah, fun's a way to explain it. Or <laughs> You know, this this week in general is going to be an interesting week. But, uh, yeah, Penguins, Leafs, Knights. Penguins, I, I, oof, I think they're going to – I think the Hawks kind of might lose this one. Uh, I'm going to say, actually, that the Hawks win this one just because we had the very hopeful Canucks game. I think they can bring that energy into this game. And the other thing, too, with the Penguins is uh, I think Latang is out, if I recall yeah. correctly. He is. So there, there's, like, some injuries there that could could help the Hawks out. So I, I think this is definitely actually a winnable one for you guys. I mean... Pittsburgh doesn't have a ton of depth on their roster, which I think you guys could capitalize and take advantage of. Obviously, yeah, they have, you know, Crosby and Murray. Um, you said Latang is out, and, I mean, Malkin is still out, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, a couple of the bigger names are out of the game, which I think you guys could definitely capitalize on. Uh, I think it's a close one, but I think the Penguins um, come out on top of this one. I'm not saying that Chicago is going to smoke him by any means. I think this will definitely be a close game, but I think Chicago could edge it out. Yeah, you know, this upcoming week really show is really going to be a predicament, not a predicament, a preview of what the Hawks actually could be. So this is like a big week for the Chicago Blackhawks to show if they're true contenders or, you know, maybe a little bit of frauds. But um, we'll move to the next game, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The uh, one of the other bigger games on the schedule. Um, Kevin, you, you think that uh, the Hawks are winning this one, or you think the Leafs are just going to roll over them? I'm going to say the Hawks win this one. Okay, I, I, I'm saying the Leafs win this one. I as I'm just hoping we get another. Uh, you know, last year's game was interesting between the Hawks and the Leafs. Is one of the most entertaining games of the season, and I hope we get another uh, Kane and Matthews showdown. A little, uh, yeah, get the dueling sellies. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's gonna be great to see two of the best American players in the game going against each other. So, yeah, it's gonna be a fun one, but I think the Hawks come out with a W. Yeah, it's actually funny because now that I, I, yeah, I usually forget it, but like, uh, Hawks Leafs games are always super fun to watch. Always, oh, yeah. every single time, they're always super entertaining. Like, I remember that one when we had a couple seasons back when, uh, Anton. Forsberg was starting and obviously a terrible goalie but at the time I think that was his first game or second game or something so we still didn't know what he was about yet and that game was super fun too just because both teams just always keep going back and forth scoring goals and everything so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that showdown I, th- I think the Leafs win this one I mean yeah. I think their forward group is just too strong for you guys to handle if I'm being honest um, I think, like you said, uh, Kevin, it's a f- there are two fun teams to watch. I think it goes to overtime or a shootout, and I think the Leafs just squeak it out. And then the last game on the Hawks' uh, schedule for this week, they're playing against the Vegas Golden Knights. I'll be honest, I don't even really know who I'm thinking is going to win this one. I mean, I, I mean, if you want to look at records, I mean, technically Vegas has the better record, but... I don't know. I don't really know what to say for this one. Yeah, I think like the Knights are the stronger team here, but I also think the Hawks have something more to prove. So 
I'm going to remain optimistic with this one and say the Hawks win. I agree with you, Kevin. I think the Hawks win this one. And, you know, the last time they played the Knights, the Hawks looked really good, just couldn't capitalize on scoring chances. I think uh, they redeemed themselves this week, and they come away with a win against the Golden Knights. Okay. So, basically, if, if I'm understanding everything correctly, you guys are basically projecting that these are three winnable games with them being up in the air, but not nothing dominant, I would say. If the Hawks continue to play the way they did against the Canucks, yeah, I think it's three very winnable games that they come out two and one. Any last uh, comments before I move on to the wing side? Uh, I'll think the Hawks win this one. That's all I'm going to say. Got to give them one win. That's fair. Um, we can do a flash forward of the wings really quick. Loss, so... loss, loss. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I... <laughs> all right. So <laughs> I haven't even talked about the schedule, and it's already that. Okay. Um, There's where we, Red Wings fans on their team, their sta- status of the team right now. Lose for Lafreniere. <laughs> Lose for Lafreniere. I mean, that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of a hashtag, I guess. But it's not quite as good as Lose for Hughes. There's not like the rhyme to it. Lafreniere. I'll come up with one. Give me like seven months. I'll get one. But There's a French one that works, but. Not really in English. Um, but, but we'll just walk through these games really quick. Um, on Sunday, the Wings are going to play against the Vegas Golden Knights. I think we all pretty much agree here. This one is, or should be a loss. There's no reason Vegas doesn't just run over Detroit here. They're better in every aspect. Yep, loss. I mean, would anybody like to dispute? It's a loss for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dog. That's a loss for me, too. All right. um, I, I got it. What, what is it, David? Stink today for Lafreniere. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. The next game the Wings will be playing, they'll be playing on Tuesday against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, their last outing was actually not a big disparity between the chances and the scoreboard. I think the Wings can win this one. I think it'll probably be an overtime win if they do win it. I don't see them rolling away with... You know, a lopsided victory by any means. I think if they win this one, it's going to be a small win, but I can see a win here. Ducks fly together. They're going to beat us. Quack, quack, quack. quack Ducks quack. win. Uh, yeah, I think I think Detroit could win it. Like, I don't think – I think it will be a close game, but I think the Ducks will win. Uh, and then the, uh, the last game for the week – is going to be a game where the Detroit Wings play against the LA Kings. I hope that Detroit can at least win this one. I mean, we've been bagging on them pretty hard all season, but the Kings are not a good team. They're pretty much down there with the Red Wings in terms of where they're at, both on the standings and the roster, like the, uh, I guess, generally the talent pool that they're playing with, I guess you would say. I think this is actually a winnable one. Um, yeah, I think this one should be a win for the Wings. I mean, it's it's a matchup of two teams that suck, and who's going to suck more? Um, I'm hoping it's the Kings. I, w- I want to give us that win, but with the way things have been going, I feel like somehow we're gonna we're gonna snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Three losses, three losses from David. 
David, I'm trying to bring at least a little optimism to this fan base. (laughs) Here's what's going to happen, John. This Jordan, this is the game that we lose, and Iserman goes, "Hey, uh, Blasio, you smoke pot?" And he goes, "No, why?" He's like, "Well, you better hope you have a pot to cook in because you're out of here." And he's going to kick him out. Damn. (laughs) He's going to be like, "I was, I was talking to Kirby Doc, and he said you smoke pot." You know, I hate the LA Kings with a passion almost as much as I hate the Boston Bruins, but I wouldn't even be mad if that's what happened. <laughs> Kirby Doc, new Red Wings head coach. I'm going to say... Uh, I'd lend him over. <laughs> I'm going to say this one is 0-0 after three periods, and nobody scores after overtime, and it goes in the 14th round of the shootout, and Kings win. <laughs> oh, boy. It's just like both fan bases are just like, stuck in hell for like four hours <laughs> watching a constant pass, 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 pass. At least they have beer. <laughs> that should be like a dollar beer night game. Make oh, it like a God, minor league yeah. hockey game. Just please come. Uh, please come. That's pretty much it for the uh, the Wings game this week and for the Hawks games as well. Uh, does anybody have any other news that they want to talk about before we move forward? Uh, No, just no. R.I.P. R.I.P. Islanders 10-game win streak. R.I.P. Islanders. Did anybody see that picture that somebody made? It had uh, like has like the Grim Reaper, and he's going door to door, and it has like all the teams they beat. And he's no, got like the scythe. I just, I just saw a picture though on the NHL memes of uh, from Avengers Endgame. So spoilers if people haven't seen it. What is wrong with you if you haven't seen it? But it's when Hulk's putting on the gauntlet, and it's like Avalanche scoring nine goals. And then it's like Bro Thor with thumbs up and uh, Rocket on his back, and it's uh, Landeskog and Ratanen. <laughs> <laughs> there was a really funny good one that I saw. It was the uh, it had Doctor Str- It was the one with uh, Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and Iron Man, and it's got uh, one of the guys is the Red Wings. He's asking, he's like, I've seen a uh, fifteen million different. Realities. Oh yeah. And the ones like, have you, is there one where uh, the Red Wings make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs? And he just replies, "LOL, no." <laughs> yep, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that hurts, but it's good. It, it is great. Uh, that's how you know when it's a dark time for your fan or for your team, though. When you're when you're trashing on your own team, it's the only way to make it through. Is just to make fun of your team. It's the only way that eases the pain. The first cut's the deepest. <laughs> well, I think this is kind of like the 13th or something, but <laughs> who's counting? <laughs> if nobody has anything else to talk about, uh, we'll go ahead and just finish up with a little bit of a Q&A slash fan mail, if you will. Um, this wasn't one that came from our email or our, uh, <clears throat> our Twitter, but it was something that somebody that I work with was talking to me about this week. Um I can't remember exactly what the uh, the question was, but basically we were talking about how, you know, goaltenders, they're hot and cold, and they decide in some way how the game plays out, whether your team wins or not. Um, you're going to assess your team's goaltending and, like, the guys that you have between the pipes right now. Which team's goaltending tandem would you guys pick if you had like the ability to put them both back in the primes, so like, like if you, you could take like have now, 
Yeah, like if you could take Howard and Bernier, put them back in their primes, and run them up against uh, Crawford and Leonard back when they were in their primes. That's like, who Leonard was with? really good in his prime. I don't. I don't think there's any debate here, to be honest. Uh yeah. I'm sorry. I know I don't want to be biased here, but I'm taking Crawford Leonard. I'm taking Crawford Leonard now over any goaltending. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, prime prime Crawford is a two-time Cup winner. And Leonard yeah. currently is just an absolute stud. Yeah, so hands down, Blackhawks goalies. Sorry, Jimmy, I love you. You waved at me once at Griffin's game, but get, <laughs> get your shit together. Jordan, are you, are, are you on the other side of this? or No, no. I, uh, <laughs> I definitely agree. I think Chicago's tandem is better right now, and in their prime they were, would have been better as well. But I kind of think... think Leonard's just entering his prime. Yeah. Hey, and like that's, I think that's kind of something interesting to talk about. I mean, because you guys are in a completely different situation than Detroit is with your goaltending. Like, you guys have a guy who you're looking at to be the future of your franchise and goaltending. And we had that in Peter Morazic, and we got rid of right. it. Like, yep. It, like, let's say, assuming Bernier wasn't the backup and Mrazek had stayed with the organization, would your guys' opinion have changed then? Because at one point, Mrazek was up for the Vezina. Like, he, he had Vezina stats on him. Yeah, Mrazek was a hot prospect. Like, I remember how good he was at, like, World Juniors and everything. But to answer your question, I still don't think my opinion changes. I just think... I mean, it's Crawford, more proven, the, the hot it, standing. Yeah, I just think, I mean, Crawford was so under... It's, He's still underrated, but he was so underrated his whole career. And yeah, I, I think he was. I actually think he was one of the top five goalies in the league. So yeah, I mean, I I always hated that. There was always people would say, "Well, it was the team playing in front of him that was so good." Um, but Crawford really was a fantastic goalie. I mean, people yeah. kind of say the same thing about Chris Osgood as well, though. They're always like, you know, Chris Osgood only won because the team in front of him was so good, but he wasn't a bad goaltender either. Oh hell no. It, it, the Boston Bruins do it with Tuka Rask, too. One of the best goalies in the league. And when something finally goes wrong for Tuka Rask, they just shoot right to him. And yep. it's, just, it, it's meatball fans. That's all it is. You know, yeah. We're used to it in Chicago saying Crawford's weakness was his glove side. But with yeah. goalies, I'm excited about uh, Philip Larson for their wings. I think he's going to be better than Mrazek in the future for us. Oh, yeah. He's the, the Denver goalie, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. He looks promising to me. At least watching him in the the Denver playoffs, he was incredible. Say, so, I mean, Larson's a couple of years out. We, I think, but he looks to be a great goaltender for the future. Yep. I mean, we all pretty much agreed that the Blackhawks tandem was better. So, I mean, I, I think maybe I'd like to spin the question like this: um, If there was a goaltender that you could pick and or pick from either team's franchise and run them in their prime, who would you pick? So I'm, I'm going to take the uh, the clear choice, Dominic Koshik. Yeah, I was about to say. You yeah. don't really get a much better guy than that. Yeah, I mean, Hoshik is kind of the pick. Yeah, I, don't I, don't know know how, I don't know how Terry Sawchuk would be in today's game, but he's... I can't pick Hoshik because you picked him. Um, you can jump on the Hoshik train. I'm jumping on. I'm jumping on the uh, once former Chicago Blackhawk as well, Dominic Hoshik. Yep. One of the worst trades that ever happened in Blackhawks history. <laughs> you know what? I love Ozzy. I'm going to go Osgood. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I love Hoshik. Hoshik would have been my choice, but I wanted to be a little different, and I went with Osman. Okay. 
Um, Cause he but, got it done in 08 when Hasha couldn't. It's true. That's actually pretty valid. It's a good point. Um, but if nobody Eddie. has anything else that they want to talk about, unless you had something to add, Nick. Oh yeah. Just, I want to add one thing. Uh, yeah, guys, we have a stickway podcast has some, uh, pretty interesting things coming up. We have where I'm in the process of locking down two future NHLers and two, two former NHL draft picks. So stay tuned. Interesting. We'll, uh, we'll have to chat about that after and we'll keep you guys posted Yeah. in regards to the, uh, the content and, the pipeline for that um so anybody has anything else to add we can go ahead and wrap tonight's episode i know it's been a little bit, a bit of a lengthy one especially with with the ranting about the coaching staff on both sides of this aisle and fabry's um, eyebrows fabry's eyebrows <laughs> somebody the fans should just do that at the next game everybody gets like black permanent markers and just draws them on i do it if he gets a hat trick tonight. About a furly browse for Fabry. That's going to be it. We'll go ahead and end it tonight's show. Um, as always, we'll thank you guys for tuning in and listening to that podcast. We really appreciate you guys who listen and tune in and stick with us through this however long we ramble, rant, or discuss for. Uh, it's fun for all of us involved um we're going to assume that you found this podcast through either soundcloud or itunes so whatever the media platform is that you found us through feel free to give us a like a follow a share a tweet whatever it is to spread the word about the podcast if you like it and give us a follow um particularly on itunes five star ratings are humongous i don't know what it is with apple's algorithm for how they promote but Ratings on iTunes are very important for helping podcasts get exposure. So if you follow us on iTunes, please, please, please give us a rating. That really helps spread us on that platform. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can always email us. The podcast email is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word, no dashes or hyphens or anything like that. And then if you want to find us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at StickBladePod. Um, admittedly, it's not a very active Twitter handle, but I'm looking to hopefully make it a little bit more active in the coming weeks. Um, and But with that being said, again, we'd like to thank you all for tuning into the episode, listening to all of us talk for the hour, however long it is that we talk to you guys for. And if nothing else, we want to wish you guys all a safe week. And thank you for listening to the Stick Blade Podcast. Go Red Wings and go Black Go Hawks! Hawks.